today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Mr. Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. What an amazing God we serve, huh? Why don't you turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the whole Bible. The good thing about the Bible is it tells us what's going to happen at the end, and guess what? We win, and, it's, and heaven is the coolest place ever. So uh, that's always good when you know, isn't it? You know, it's, it's nice, you know, my team, the West Coast Eagles, was demoralized in the grand final by... Um, by uh, Hawthorne, we got one Hawthorne or two Hawthorne supporters in the house and uh, we won't talk about those people. But here's the thing, isn't it great being part of the team when you know in advance that they're already going to win? Like we know that, that, we know that we've already won. Jesus actually declared it, he says it's finished. You know? And uh, how good is he? And anyway, here's the thing, let's just read out of Revelation chapter 22. First two verses, and this is a picture, part of the picture of the new Jerusalem that is prophesied there. And it just says this, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit, Every month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Who knows the nations need a little bit of healing right now? The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Why don't you store that comment in the back of your mind now, and uh, we'll, we'll come back to that a bit later. Because I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, atmospheres this morning. And I, I want to encourage you that there's always two atmospheres to choose from. And uh, you know, last year, um, our great... Uh, before we go on, why don't we just honour Ben and Ange too, just organise a ridiculously good family camp. Very cool. Hey, what, a, what an amazing job you guys did. So we thank you heaps for that. Uh, but even better than that, Ben and I did a camp last year over to Mount Kilimanjaro and uh, we, we climbed it and, and you know, at the bottom of the mountain, it was around 30 degrees Celsius you know, and the atmosphere was rainforest. The atmosphere was lush and moist and rainforest. And then a few days later, by the time we got to the top of the mountain, it was like a moonscape and it was around minus 20 degrees in the wind chill. So, and, and there was not, nothing grew up there. There was, you know, there was, um, it was arid like a moonscape land. And, and so we, we, we went from one atmosphere to another. And here's the other thing. On the, last, on the very last day of the climb, on the summit, when we went from 5,000 metres above sea level to 6,000, uh, there, there was two other atmospheres and they were in our head we had to get up at midnight and we had to climb through the dark and so we arrived at the summit in the morning so we had enough time to turn around and come back down in that same day and the atmosphere then was an atmosphere that was in our minds and we actually had to choose which one we were going to follow 
and you know, climbing up that last day, you know, it was cold. You know, we were hungry. There was low energy. There was low oxygen. There was nausea. There was, you know, there was, it was dark. It was, there was hungry. You know, we were hungry. There were so many different things that, we, that were great reasons to, to not go on or to pull out. And there was one other atmosphere that we had, that we had the option of choosing, and that was just to conquer the hill, to stand on the top of Africa. So we had to choose, we had to choose between which, which one we were going to listen to and which one were we going to listen to. And thankfully, we all, chose, you know, we all chose the standing on top of the hill one because when you get there, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's amazing how the, the old atmosphere, you know, when you walk through the pain of getting to where you stand on the top of the mountain, you forget about the pain and you experience the glory of the moment. But what it requires each of us to do, it requires us to choose which atmosphere that we're going to live in. Because we're always living in changing atmospheres, positive, negative, light, dark, serious, not serious, quiet, loud, gentle, harsh. You know, these are, these are all atmospheres that are actually created by people and by words and by, and, um, by by decisions. And uh, I want to suggest to you today that a key, the key to long-lasting community is found in navigating the tensions of the atmospheres that you live in. You ever walked into a room, you know, and, and just before you walked in, someone's been having an argument, you know, or you go into someone's house and they're having an argument with, you know, the husband and wife having an argument. doesn't happen at our house, but other people's houses, <laughs> we never argue. You know, at night time. Uh, you walk into the house and it's like super awkward atmosphere. You know, have you heard that, um, you know, have you heard that line, you could cut, the, cut this tension with a knife? You know, we walk into these atmospheres and you don't know what to do. Should I say a joke, try and lighten the atmosphere? Should I join in? You know, <laughs> you laugh. But early in my, early in my pastoring, you know, if, two, if I saw two couples, you know, having a fight, I would join the weaker team, you know what I mean, and try to give them some support and... Uh, Generally, it was the man, and, uh, you know, we, we always come out second best there, don't we? I don't know what that's all about. But here's the thing. Navigating the tensions of atmospheres is bad because it's tough, isn't it? It's key, and it's significant for us to having a community that's long-lasting. It's a key for us to stand on top of this mountain. It's the key, you know, it says, it's, it's, it's how do you love one another? Well, you, ex, you, you, you shift atmospheres. What did Jesus do? He always shifted atmospheres wherever he went, didn't he? It says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and 20, it says, I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. See, there's things before us all the time. There's blessing and curse. There's life and death. He says, choose life. There's always a choice of, which, of what you're going to accept. You know, you can step into an atmosphere and you can choose to accept that atmosphere or, ex- or, or bring a different atmosphere. You can actually carry an atmosphere with you. You know, the New Age calls it an aura. <laughs> you know, we've got a nice aura around you. You know, we carry the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we actually carry an atmosphere wherever we go and we can choose to walk into the atmosphere that he has given us, not the atmosphere that we're stepping into in the natural. Because there's always a bit of a constant chatter going on. You remember the old, the old Donald Duck cartoons and, and he had the, the evil Donald Duck and the good Donald Duck 
And, uh, you know, we've all, got, we, we've all got one of those. We've all got that situation happening, don't we? We've all got an advocate, and the advocate is the Holy Spirit. And we've all got an accuser, and the accuser, the accuser in the, is the enemy. John 14, 6, 26 says this, says, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said. You've got the Holy Spirit constantly reminding you of what the Lord has said. He's, he's, there's a positive chatter. There's, you can do all things in Christ. There's, there's you, know, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. You are seated in the heavenlies. You know, you are, you know I have chosen you. You know, and, and, and then there's this other one. There's the accuser. And Revelations 12, 9 and 10 says that he talks about Satan deceives the whole world. And it says he is the accuser of our brethren. And, it, and this is how often he does it. Who accuses us before God day and night. So there's this constant chatter in our lives. There's these atmospheres going on. You've got this, you've got this atmosphere of, of hope and of life. And you've got this, acu- uh, uh, this atmosphere of, of blame and accusation. And, uh, you know, the, the, the advocate and the accuser are always speaking. They're always speaking. Wherever you're walking, they're always speaking. You know, one provides an atmosphere of hope and the other provides an atmosphere of blame. Who's to blame here? Is it you or is it someone else? You know, you know the enemy's winning when you're either, you know, discouraged in yourself or you're blaming somebody else. You know you're listening to the, to the good chatter of the Holy Spirit you know, when you go, hang on, we can work through this. There's hope. I've got, I, you know, if, if, we, if we take some action here in the direction of, of God, we're going to see some good things happen. That's when you know you're, you're, you're following the, the, um, the leading of the, the Holy Spirit's chatter in your life. You know, we see atmospheres. You know, if you if you look at the if you look at the world, you've got the I wrote them down because I I don't know them the troposphere, the tratosphere, the mesosphere, and the thermosphere. The troposphere that's Nimbin, and uh, the stratosphere is the guitarists, the Stratocasters. The mesosphere that's the baby's room, and the thermosphere that's Chloe's uh, selling the thermomixes glass room. Dead dead joke. Good quality. Jesus was always changing atmospheres everywhere he goes. Everywhere he went, he changed the atmosphere. You know, the enemy would come in and look to try and disrupt the atmosphere and say, well, should we be paying taxes? They came in and said. And then Jesus, he shifted the atmosphere. They came in and tried to disrupt his world and make him look bad in front of the Romans. And then Jesus shifted the atmosphere and he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And he reversed it and challenged him and said, and give to the Lord. What is the Lord's? Shifted atmosphere. The woman's caught in adultery. You know, and the people brought him. And they said, the law says that this woman must be stoned to death. And, and, and he's, he's caught in this atmosphere. He's caught in the restrictions of the law. And he goes, okay, then I'm going to take it out of the stratosphere into the thermosphere. And I'm going to say, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. He takes, an, op- he takes a, a, an atmosphere of, of blame and an atmosphere of judgment and turns it into an atmosphere of hope and repentance. He's always shifting the atmosphere. And the ultimate atmosphere changer was the cross. He stepped into an atmosphere of sin and brought with it eternal life. He brought with it relationship with our God. He went to the core of the issue and redeemed us. See, the law 
dealt with behavior, dealt with the, the, the issue of behavior. Jesus dealt with the heart. He dealt with the core of issue of the issue. He didn't just he just didn't do it on the outside. He went right into the core of the issue and rescued you right at the core of it in your heart. The very first date that Kristen and I went on, we went and watched the movie Armageddon, and uh, and there's a whole story that goes along with that, which I've shared before. I won't remind you of of that. But this movie Armageddon was it was about this uh, meteorite. This massive meteorite that was plunging towards the Earth, and it was gonna—it was gonna be what they call a global killer. And uh, and if they didn't do something and destroy this meteorite before it hit the Earth, it was going to destroy the Earth. And they had all these scientists look at it, and they were looking at different things that, at, of you know, sending nu- nuclear bombs out there to try and blow this thing up. And one scientist got up, and I've shared this with you before, this concept, and he said. Hitting that rock from the outside with a nuclear bomb is like having a firecracker in your hand. If you put a firecracker, some little bit of fireworks on your hand and you set that off, it'll burn your hand. But if you close your fingers around that very same firecracker and set it off, it'll blow your fingers off. So the thing for this movie was is they sent the best driller up in the world, which was obviously Bruce Willis, He's the man to go to. And they drilled into the rock. They drilled right into the middle of, of the meteorite and, and put the explosives in there and blew it up and you know, the world was saved and the guy got the girl and everything was, everything was peachy. You see, when we get caught in behaviour... When we get caught in just addressing behaviour and not dealing with the heart, if we don't go to the core, then we're, only, we're not going to shift the trajectory of our lives. You know, the church, if the church just keeps going on and trying to behave itself, it won't, try, it won't shift its direction and head towards eternal life and hope. We need to hit the core of the matter. It, you know, it says in Galatians 5, Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled by the restraints of bondage. There's two atmospheres. There's your behaviour and there's your heart. You, know, you, can, you can spend your whole life trying to adjust your behaviour so you fit in different circles. So, you know, sometimes you've got to be a bit badder. Sometimes you've got to be a bit funny. Sometimes you've got to be, behave like this. Sometimes you've got to do this. Sometimes you've got to dance. Sometimes you've got to laugh. Sometimes you've got to sing. Sometimes you've got to cry. If you try to adjust your behaviour, you will turn into a chameleon. You will miss the whole idea of life. You'll get torn. Your, your identity will be, will be sprayed amongst every different angle. Jesus says, I have come to deal with your heart, to deal with the core. And as you adjust your core, then your behavior will change. Why? Because you're heading in a totally different rejection. You're no longer looking for the affection of man. You're no longer looking for the attention of man. You're completely satisfied because I have given you all things already that pertain to life. We have to constantly choose to stand in the freedom of no condemnation. You see, there is now, according to Romans 8.1, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if you're feeling condemned, that means the accuser is winning the chatter battle. If you're feeling condemned, the accuser is winning over in the chatter. But you, you can remind the accuser, you can remind him of Romans 8.1 that there is no condemnation. And I choose today to stand fast in the liberty of Christ. 
And the enemy's going to say, but what about all the things, the behaviours that you're doing wrong? You're going, it's, it's okay because I'm headed towards the cross. I'm headed towards eternal life. I'm headed towards the leaves on those trees that are the healing of the nation. And gradually my, my behaviour is going to become like Christ. You see, if we don't constantly choose to stand in the freedom of no condemnation, we end up standing in the restraint of judgment. If we live according to behaviour, behaviour is the most judged thing on the planet. That's what law is about. Law is about behaviour. Eternal life is about relationship. We need to be focused on the core things, which is relationship, and allow our behaviour to become the desire of our heart, not the decision to stop doing things. Jesus said this statement to us. He said, deny yourself and take up your cross. I want to suggest to you this morning that denying yourself is simply not giving yourself the luxury of hiding. You see, when we hide, when we hide the firecracker in our hand, when we hide things from God, we we think we're okay for a while. But then it all blows up, doesn't it? And fingers are lost. Denying yourself means not giving yourself that luxury. You see, the, the core of selfishness is wanting reward without sacrifice. And the greatest sacrifice that I, I think that we, we struggle with today is the sacrifice of being honest, the sacrifice of confession, sacrifice of sharing our weakness with our brothers and sisters. So we read, we read in, in, in James last week, you know, it says confess to one another. It talks about confessing your weaknesses, your trespasses. And why do we do that? You know, have you ever seen someone who's, who's sinning badly they're doing some crazy stuff. They're, they're right up to some really, you know, they're really on the, on the, on the negative side of, of things. And they get, they're, they're doing well, they're, they're caught, they're, they're, they're keeping it quiet, but then they get caught. And then at that point, they become repentant. You know, have you, have you, seen the, you, you know the story? We're, we're hiding it well, and then we get found out, so then we, then we repent. Here's the thing. That person, even though they got caught out, becomes liberated because the sin's been exposed, because the weakness has been exposed, because now they get to actually walk the journey out. The problem with, the problem with hiding it and it being exposed is there's, there's other damage that comes with that. If we choose to reveal our true identity to each other and to the Lord, then we can do business. You see, if we choose to get to the core issue before the rock hits the earth, you know, you, you know, we can actually make it of no effect. You know, when, when, that meteor, when that meteor split and went either side of the earth, there was a few little, you know, there was a few little tiny meteors that still hit the earth. There was still some, some, some residual, you know what I mean? If you open your hand and the firecracker goes off, you're going to burn your hand, but you're going to keep your fingers. The quicker that you reveal the true you, the quicker that you reveal the, the, the core of your heart to, to the Lord and to your family, the less damage you're going to do to you and the more glory you're going to give to him. You know what you're hiding can see it in your eyes we're all hiding something you know i'm hiding extremely good looking uh nature you know what i mean i dumb myself down every sunday so you're not you're not overwhelmed by my beauty 
I was looking at that close-up of James. You see the James doing this profile, I was thinking, if that was me, my nose would be off the end of the actual, of the actual uh, picture there. Look, you don't have to share it with everyone. Hey, first thing you do is you share it with God. You say, Lord, this is me. He already knows, but, you know, he'll, he'll smile when you actually, you know, become honest with him. He, he wants you to be honest with him, not because he needs it, because you need it. And after you've been honest with the Lord, then you can choose some people who are close to you to be honest with. And this, this is what I want to suggest to you. They're going to love you anyway. They're going to want to walk through life with you anyway. And, and you, know, you know, why don't you turn to the person next to you and just look them in the eyes, just right into their eyes. It's kind of awkward, isn't it? Do you know why it's awkward to look someone directly in the eyes? Because we've all got something to hide and the eyes don't lie. You know, when you look at someone, you've got like one second and then you start to dart back and forth. It's because you've got something to hide. If you look at someone and their eyes go left, you know, that means it's sexual sin. If it goes right, it means just get it. I just made that up. I just made that up. If they go right, you know, it's financial. If they go down, it's, you know, I don't know. I didn't, that's not true, by the way, that last whole section. See, Denying yourself and taking up your cross is not giving yourself the luxury of having an open hand. You need to have an open hand in life and as you do, the Lord can work with you. If you hold it in, then he, he can't work with you because he is a gentleman and you need to give him permission. You know, he, he, he doesn't come and take over. He says, I'm waiting for you to give me permission to do business with you. Here's the thing, interestingly, when Jesus took up his cross, it wasn't one of his disciples, it wasn't one of his friends who helped him carry the cross. It was a, a random who we'd never heard of called Simon of Cyrene. You know, who's that guy? And here's the thing, here's the thing, when we don't open our hand because we, we think that, you know, what if this person doesn't help us? You don't know who's going to help you and the person doesn't know that it's their responsibility to help you until you reveal the challenge. It's as you reveal the challenge in your life, it's as you step into a place of vulnerability is, is that the person, the right person for the role is then revealed. And here's the thing, that person doesn't even know that it's their job until you actually reveal truth. Like we said, James 5 says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You see, it's when our weakness is exposed that redemption is activated. Redemption gets activated when weakness is exposed. It does seem harder, though, to keep your burden hidden, doesn't it? I'm just going to keep it hidden and pray that the Lord will just take it from me in the night time. Here's the problem with that theory, is that God responds to faith. God responds to faith. And denying yourself means giving God the opportunity to work together for good who are called according to his. So if we're called according to his ways, if we're, if we're, if we're submitted to him and we, and we want to step into faith, it means we, we are happy to step into being open about our lives. It doesn't mean us, you know, sharing the microphone and confessing to the church each Sunday. It means us first being real with God and then having relationships, having real relationships where we share our heart, where we share our dreams. Not only don't we share our brokenness, but sometimes we don't actually share our dreams because we're scared that they'll get trodden on. 
So Revelation 22. The tree of life on the edge of the river of life and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Here's the thing with leaves. Leaves are one of the most redemptive things on our planet. Leaves receive carbon dioxide and release oxygen. They receive, they receive air that we've contaminated, take the carbon out of it and put the oxygen back into society. The healing of the leaves, the healing of the nations is from the leaves of the tree of life. You know, when we accept Christ as our saviour, we are now in business with the tree of life. In the garden, he said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't worry about behaviour. He's saying, but you can eat as much as you want of the tree of life. And when we choose Christ as our saviour, the tree of life lives within us. And the tree of life has leaves for the healing of the nations. And those leaves are in us because Christ is in us. So as we do things in his name, for his glory, we receive brokenness and we release hope and faith. You know, whenever you breathe in, what you're breathing out is not great for the person next to you, especially if you've had chilli for breakfast. Salami's okay, but not chilli. Construct, you know what's interesting, when, 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 there's a, when there's a construction site, when there's a mine, where there's a plant and, and that whole place is, is decimated all, do you know what happens? When, and, and the place looks arid. When they bring in fresh topsoil, when they plant trees, you know what, in the years to come, that place is actually restored. It's redeemed because when the trees grow, the leaves receive damaged air and release beautiful oxygen. And this is the challenge of the church community. You know, Jesus says, by this all men will know that you're my disciple by your love for one another. Well, the the way that we love one another is we receive brokenness and we release hope. Leaves change atmospheres. Christ changed atmospheres. You and I can change atmospheres when we do it in his name for his glory. Redemption's not our job, it's his job. Our job is to be present in his name so that he can do his job. Why doesn't the band jump up? The healing of humanity comes through our ability to receive weakness and to release hope. And not only hope, hope without condemnation. You see, the simplicity of the gospel is that Jesus came to, took our, to take our shame away, to take all sense of condemnation away and to give us new life. So what, what we need to do as a church is make sure that when we, give, when we introduce people to Christ, we don't actually shame them with the gospel. Because the gospel speaks of purity, it speaks of life and the desire of God's heart is that we would live pure and holy lives. Why? Because that's where, the, that's where we're going to enjoy life the most. That's when our relationships are going to flourish. That's when you know, where things are going to be restored to goodness. But it's, it was never intended for, that, for us to burden that upon each other to the point of shame. 
So when you speak to someone, when someone reveals, here's the problem, here's the problem with taking up your cross and revealing yourself is, you know, people haven't responded well, have they? The little increments of your heart that you've revealed to people in the past, people haven't responded well and they've brought judgment and they've brought shame and they've brought condemnation. So what we need to do as a church is we need to do two things. We need to commit ourselves to bringing hope and to bringing faith and to bringing life and to pointing Jesus to people and not being the behavioral adjusters of society. And then the second thing we need to do is to show people how to be honest, to show people where our insecurities are, to show people where our weaknesses are, you see, it takes it to go both ways. We talked last week about, about the four guys lowering the paralytic into, into Jesus. You see, getting people to Jesus is the key to hope. I can, I can take you to Jesus, but I cannot redeem you. I can take you to Jesus, but I cannot heal you. I can take you to Jesus, but I can do no good in your life other than take you to Jesus. And here's the thing. We need to, we need to do that. We need to continually take people to the cross. And the way that we give them confidence to do that is to allow other people to take us to the cross, to be real about what paralyzes us, to be real about the brokenness in our lives and to trust that God is on the throne and his intentions toward you are pure and for, and for a future with a hope and a plan that is, that is full of goodness. Why don't you stand with me this morning? You know, and that amazing um, message by Chloe Potter this morning about communion, what a great, what a great word. I can just see her over there devouring the, devouring the leftover communion. You know, what, the story of our, the journey of our faith, the journey of our growth requires us to walk through a journey. You know, some days, you know, some days we make communion about us, don't we? Some days we go, oh, I'm hungry. I want it to be more. Some days we go, oh, it'd be nice if it was, if it was a nice Cab Merlot. You know what I mean? But then we, then we get it, don't we? And then we understand that Christ gave it all for our freedom. He gave it all. And then when we take those emblems, you know, we understand that it's because he went all the way. He took, he carried his cross. It turned out to be his cross was your and my sin. His cross was actually our cross. He carried our cross. He took the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that we deserve and got rid of it. And do you know what he said at the end? He said, it is finished. Why doesn't everyone bow their head and close their eyes? If you want to experience the love of our Heavenly Father, if you don't know Him and you want to accept Him as your Saviour, there's a simple decision to believe and to confess. To believe that Jesus is the Son of God and our Saviour and to confess that the Lord rose Him from the dead. If you want to do that today, if that's you, if you want to choose Christ as your Saviour, 
why don't you raise your hand this morning and we'll love to pray with you. If you want to choose Christ as your saviour, why don't you raise your hand this morning? Thank you, Father. Ten more seconds. Glory to God. All right, and let me just pray for another group of people. It's very easy for me to, to, to be up here and say, all right, you know, you guys need to start confessing what's in your heart. You need to start confessing your brokenness and revealing things so that the Lord can work on them. You know, if that's you this morning, if, if, you're, if you're hearing that and going, it's no way that's happening or, or, you know, there's a long way before I can actually reveal the brokenness that's in my heart because I've experienced too much pain, some of it in this house. You know, if that's you, if you, if you want to have liberty, if you want to see liberty and you want to break through in some of those areas and you want to... If you want to be real, but you just don't feel like you can, why don't you put your hand on your heart this morning? If there's some areas in your life that you, that, 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 that includes you. If, you know, if you're feeling a bit kind of itchy and shifty right now, that probably means you need to put your hand on your heart as well. Okay, let's pray. For every heart that has a hand on it this morning. Lord, we, we want to trust you. We want to trust the people around us. We want to trust the people in this church. We want, to, we want to reveal ourselves because we desperately want to be healed, Father. We desperately want to walk in your redemptive grace. But there's something blocking us today, Father. There's something blocking us. We cannot trust because of, our, because of what we've experienced, Lord. We need you to do a work in our lives, Father. So, Father, in Jesus' name, for every heart that has a hand on it, I ask that you would restore a confidence, that you would restore a hope, that you would stir up faith, that you would bring new life and new confidence to reveal the broken hearts, Father. So we thank you, Father, that you have come, that you've been anointed to heal broken hearts, Father, and we give you our heart. This morning, we give you our trust, and we give you our hope, and we ask that you would continually stir it up in us, Father. And as we worship, Lord, we want to give you all the glory and the praise because we know that no man can give us life, no person can satisfy us, only you satisfy in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.